The word this morning comes from Romans 6, 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried there with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we could no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. The precious word of God. Amen. You can have a seat this morning. If you would take out your Bible to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 is where we are today. One of the greatest feelings in the world uh, is when you graduate high school, you have this new sense of freedom. And for those of you who have graduated before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Freedom from feeling like you are under the tyranny of your teachers. Um, that, that was a joke, teachers. Uh, it's not tyranny. I grew up uh, my mom was a teacher. But when you graduate school, uh, you'll see your teachers in places, stores, ball games, all of these places. And those teachers who once had this authority over you, um, that is now a bit different. Before graduation, uh, schools can hold you to whatever standard, and they will tell you what you should and shouldn't do, and if you don't hold to that standard, you don't get that piece of paper. But the day that you graduate and receive that diploma, the people who hours earlier had, had control and authority over you, that is now gone. But here's the thing. It's difficult to actually think that way. And I'll give you uh, an example. When I see a teacher from elementary school that, that I had years ago, um, I cannot call them by their first name. Anybody else deal with that? Like you, you can't say, I can't walk up and say, hey, and then say that person's first name. If I say Terry, uh, no, I, I call him. Many of you probably had him. If you went to Old Ford, I have to call him Mr. Wilson. I, I can't call him Terry. There's no way I could do that. Um, so even though like now we're on even playing fields and he no longer has authority like he once did, I still live as though he does. But the day that you graduate, that technically all changes. Technically speaking, your teachers no longer have control over you. You never, ever, ever, ever have to do what they say again. 
Um, but you probably should because they know what they're talking about. But here's the thing. That day, something happens, and it's this authority that shifts in your life. You're in a new place, in a new situation, and authority has shifted. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. This shifting of authority in a similar way, that happens when you come to faith in Christ. When you or I come to faith in Christ, there's something that used to have authority over us and and what used to have power, control, and dominion over us no longer does or no longer has to. Paul shows in the letter to the Romans that those in Christ are no longer under the authority and control of sin. In Christ, you've been set free from sin's power. Let me ask you a question to the grads in the room or anyone in the room looking for a new beginning. Do you desire freedom from sin? Do you desire freedom from sin? Do you desire to live a life for God instead of, instead of against him? Do you wish that you could, could stop living in this state of guilt and misery because of your sin and you know there's a better way? You're just not quite sure what you are supposed to do about it. This morning is, is Graduate Sunday. We'll recognize grads and you're about to be in this place of freedom with new opportunities and choices that you've never had before and you're gonna be living around new people and those people may not share the same values as you and you're gonna to have to choose who and what you'll follow. Others of you in the room today, you're in a spiritual lull. Like you, you feel like you just can't get moving. It seems that for a week or so, your devotion time is good. You feel close to God. But now it's been several weeks or several months and, and devotions just don't quite feel the same and, and they're becoming more infrequent and, and you don't know what to do next. You're in a spiritual lull. Others of you, you, you seem to be tempted beyond belief right now and you feel like there's an all-out attack on you. And you can't seem to get over or past a sin or particular group of sins that you wish that you could, you could just get over. And our enemy Satan is going to do everything he can do to cause you to not only continue to fall, but to doubt God's goodness and God's love for you. And he's going to attempt to drive you into more and more and more sin. If this is you in this place today, perhaps you rationalize sin and you think, well, I could be doing worse or I'm not doing quite as bad as she's doing. You know, I'm not, I'm not as bad as him. Or you willingly sin with the mindset that God's just going to forgive me anyway, so it's no big deal. If any of these places are you this morning, today is about showing those of you who want to grow in your relationship with Christ, how to eradicate sin from your life and how to, as John Owen, the great Puritan said, kill sin. If you're going to do what it takes to grow in your faith, there's some dealing in your own heart that's going to have to take place. 
and this sermon is prepared, and I'm going to preach it like I would to teenagers and students. And, and what, that, what I mean by that is when I prepare to preach to students, there are two things that I do. I keep it very simple, and I'm very straightforward. So if that's okay with you, that's what I'm going to do this morning. Keep it very simple and very straightforward because I think what we can do as adults sometimes is, is we, can, we, can, we, we can find ways around what is honestly just needs to be said to us straightforward, and teenagers can see right through that. So for years, I've just had to lay it out like it is. So this morning, that's what I'm going to do. We're going to see that. If, you, if any of these things are you and you want a promising future and you want a day that's different in your life, living in the newness that only Christ alone gives, today is for you. So the first thing we see from Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 6 is that you need to know that Jesus freed you from sin. Know that he freed you from sin. Verses 1 through 4, Paul uses the metaphor of baptism to talk about our new relationship with Christ. What happens in baptism? Someone goes under the water signifying death of their old sinful ways, and then they come out of the water signifying they have a new life in Christ. When Christ went to the cross and died, the sin that you committed and that I committed was placed on him, and the death that you and I were supposed to die, he died for us so that we wouldn't even be punished for our own sin. Think about that for a moment. What we deserve punishment for, Jesus took when he deserved nothing of what he got. Hope comes from the fact that Christ was raised from the dead so that when you are in Christ, you no longer have to fear eternal death. Instead, you have hope that just as he will be raised, so you will be too. Jesus died, yet was raised from the dead, and that truth is paramount. Hear me. The resurrection is at the center of what we believe as Christians. If Jesus simply died, then as Paul said, we are the most to be pitied. If Jesus died and that was it, we have nothing to look forward to. Nothing. But guess what? Jesus didn't just die. Know what happened three days later? He came back and since Christ died for your sin and rose from the grave, he proved to have authority over the one thing that we can't control and that is death so that when you come to faith in Christ and he took your punishment, you have faith that since he took the death that you were supposed to take and he rose back to life, you will live with Christ for all of eternity. This morning, if you believe this, you are set free, hear me, from the power of sin. Because Jesus defeated its power on the cross. You may think, how did Jesus defeat the power of sin? The wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. So sin equals death. Jesus died, but death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't keep him down, which means he defeated death's power. Death's power comes from sin, which means Jesus defeated the controlling power of sin in your life and in mine. Colossians 2 tells us that. That when he went to the cross, he disarmed sin's controlling power. Does this mean that you are sinless? No. No, I look forward to the day that I am. I look forward to the day that I'm going to be with Jesus for all of eternity and I don't have to worry about those things anymore. But does sin have to control you? No. One One of my favorite movies of all time, and I know that the organizations come under fire, but I, I'm going to share the movie. One of my favorite movies of all time is, is Aladdin. And uh, one of the things I, I enjoyed about the movie Aladdin was, was the story of the genie. 
And if you know anything about uh, the genie, then you know uh, what happens. Aladdin finds the lamp and he, he, he can have three wishes, but what's the one thing that Aladdin, that the genie has to do? The genie has to be controlled by whoever has the lamp unless the person that has the lamp sets him free. So Aladdin promised and he promised and he promised and genie didn't believe him till finally Aladdin's third wish was what? That the genie would be free. So when that happened in the movie, there was, this, there was this amazing moment where the shackles fall off and, and the genie, he just starts flying around and he is super excited. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't go back and say, you know what, now that you've set me free, I still want you to control me. No, why? That, that would be, as, as we say where I grew up, that'd be ignorant. That wouldn't be the best thing. No, if you, if you now can be set free. What do you do? You live freely. But our enemy, in the same way, tries to convince us that sin is not a big deal and that Satan tries to conform our minds to think that sin is not a big deal and God doesn't care about it that much, so why bother with dealing with it? And then we continue to live controlled by it. But the fact is, God hates sin enough to send his only son to punish him for it. The issue, however, is that we've adopted this mindset that sin is just not that bad. Sin isn't that bad. We we, we see it all over TV. We we talk to people about things that are sinful, and we just don't see it as that bad. And Paul says this in verse 1, are we to continue to sin so that grace may abound? Essentially, we could ask it this way. Since God is loving and will forgive me when I ask, shouldn't I just keep on sinning? And what does Paul say? By no means. That's, that's, I I said it kind of just straightforward and monotone. That is an emphatic way to say absolutely not. Why would you keep doing the very thing that you want Jesus to forgive you for? There's a mindset out there. I know that since God is loving, he will simply forgive me when I ask. So I'll just do whatever I want and then ask forgiveness later. And that sounds well and good, but guess what? It is simply not true. I told you this would be straightforward. So I'm going to say something here. Is God loving? Yes. Will God forgive you when you make mistakes? Yes. Is God's grace unlimited? Yes. But can you just live your life however you want and just expect God to forgive you when you have no remorse? No. That's a fabricated God in your own mind. You say, hang on a second, Adrian. That's a little bit uncomfortable. That's good. Let's say that you are dating or married to someone and they come to you and say, hey, I love you, but you know what? I also like this other person. And because I know you are a loving and kind person, when I come back to you, you'll just forgive me no problem. You're going to look at that person and you're going to say, you know what? That's actually not okay. That's actually not okay. As a matter of fact, when you come back to ask forgiveness, you say you're sorry. I know you're not going to mean it because you just told me what you were doing. That's not okay. But the problem is we treat God differently thinking that when we knowingly and willfully sin against him, it's just no big deal. And Paul said, are we to continue to do this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We've taken the phrase, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, and we've applied that to God. These sins, when we do that, are called presumptuous sins. David talks about those in in Psalm 19. And presumptuous sins are when you know something is wrong and then you do it anyway. 
and you just presume God is supposed to forgive you no matter what. You know what, I'm going to do this knowing it's wrong, but I don't think it's a big deal, and God's just going to forgive me in the end. If that's you, I'm going to tell you Christ is not the authority in your life. Sin is, and it is dominating you. Don't be deceived into thinking that you can willfully just continue to give yourself over to sin and then also simultaneously grow in your faith. You say, Adrian, if that's the case, what do I do? There's one clear next step, and Jesus says this at the beginning of the book of Mark. He says to repent. The word repent, the word repent literally means I'm walking this direction, and then when I realize this direction is not the one that God has intended for me, what do I do? I don't do this. I go and I start walking this direction. Repent means to make a complete 180 and the mindset of thinking that we can just delve into sin and not see it as a big deal and God will forgive me anyway, that mindset is wrong. And today, some of you in here simply need to repent. And I say simply, not as though it's easy, but it's simple in application. You need to repent of that mindset. See, repentance follows faith. When we come to faith in Jesus, repentance follows but sometimes we can ask forgiveness and go on living our lives. It reminds me yesterday of, of all times, we, um, I was over at uh, Whitney's parents' house and our son Lucas is gonna turn four tomorrow and uh, his, uh, uh, Whitney's parents had, had gotten him something and, and we just simply told him to say thank you. All right, so he's a compassionate kid, loving kid, but he's also strong-willed. He didn't get that from me. Uh, he's also strong-willed, and here's what he said. We said, tell him thank you. He looked up at us and just kept on doing what he's doing. So the, the, the phrase, hey, tell him thank you, went to tell him thank you. He said, thank you. Okay, it, it's, it's about to get real. I said, no. We, we both, we were like, no, you, you tell them thank you. We, we went on for about a minute Finally, this simple, I mean, he, he loved what he got. He just, he just didn't want to say it. Finally, he looked and he said, thank you with a little bit of an eye roll. And, and, and we dealt with that. But here's the thing. When we come to God in a similar fashion and say, God, forgive me, even though I do not care about what I've just done, I just know I'm supposed to ask your forgiveness. Your mouth says one thing, but your actions are proving another. And that's not what it's like to ask forgiveness from God. You see, when you see the nastiness of your sin, the nastiness of your sin and how God hates it so much and that Jesus was punished and that he took the punishment that you were supposed to receive and you're captivated by that truth, it doesn't give you permission to sin, but rather there's something inside you that has a desire to live for God, for Christ. Understanding you've been forgiven is the greater motivation to serve Christ. Understanding you've been forgiven is a greater motivation to serve Jesus than thinking that you're going to be punished. Jesus freed you from sin. Let me ask you this morning, do you believe that? Do you believe that? That Jesus has freed you from sin. Do you believe the gospel that you are spiritually dead outside of Jesus, destined for hell, but Jesus stepped in and saved you? Do you believe that? You see, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't come to make you better. Somebody who makes you better says, hey, you maybe could change that. You might could change that. You can't make a dead person better. I know the word saved might be a little bit old school, but we were drowning at the bottom of an ocean of our sin, and Jesus stepped in and saved us. 
This morning, if you believe that, that's your first step in living a new life, is knowing that Jesus freed you from sin. And the second thing Paul says, we jump to verse 12, is, is don't let sin control you. So first off, you have to know Jesus freed you from sin, and then what do you do next? Don't let sin control you. Verse 12 says this, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. The word reign means to have control, authority, or power. This is like a king reigning over his kingdom. The king has the final say. This verse says to not let sin have the kind of power over you, making you obey. And in other words, don't let sin have the final say in your life. It's not that you can no longer sin. It's simply that you are no longer dominated by it. If you're in Christ, he has control over you and sin doesn't. Paul says that you've been freed from sin's power so that you don't give it power over you. And when something has power over you, you're controlled by it. But when that thing's power is gone, you can live differently. In John 11, if, if you remember the story about Lazarus, Lazarus died and Jesus waited a little bit longer and, and he, he came to, to Lazarus's family and and even Jesus cried, and, and he cried. Most scholars uh, have pointed out that Jesus didn't cry because he was sad. He cried because he hated what death was causing. He hated the grief and the agony that death was causing. So Jesus did something miraculous. What did he do? He stepped in and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened then? Lazarus, out of the, out of the tomb, we, we, in my head, I think of just a, a person walking out, but he would have been all mummified and he would have been covered in, in all these garments and he comes walking out of the tomb. What happened next, do you think? They unwrapped the garments and he began to, to probably have a meal and to all of a sudden realize this, like I'm back. You know what he didn't do? He didn't keep all those claws and bandages around him. Why? Because he would have been living as though he's still dead. And if he was living as though he's still dead, even though he's now alive, he's, he's showing he would just rather be dead. You see, you and I have been freed from sin, but what we often do is we keep going back and we stay wrapped up like a mummified Lazarus when we could walk around free from the stench of sin. In Christ, you've been set free from sin, not to give it power over you, instead... You give yourself over to be used by God. Paul says, don't present your body as an instrument of unrighteousness, but instead as someone who's been brought from death to life. He says, present yourself to God to be used for his purposes. Paul uses the word instrument, so I'm going to carry on his metaphor. Think of your body as an instrument. An instrument only sounds good when it's used for the right purpose. Right? If I were to go back here and, and grab uh, the guitar that's, that's right back behind the stage and I were to begin to smash that guitar into the ground, two things would happen. It would make an awful racket and Dave Snyder would kill me. So both of those would happen. But if I did that, is it going to make a noise? It's going to make a noise. Is it going to make a pretty noise? No. It's going to sound horrible. Or if I go back here and I just started trying to play the piano, it's not going to make a pretty noise. It's going to make a horrible noise. But when a guitar is tuned and it's played with precision, it sounds absolutely great. Your body, in the same way when it's used for something it was not created for, brings ugliness, guilt, grief, and sorrow. 
But when it's given over to God and his purposes, it can be a great thing. Grads, I know there's only a few of you entered this morning, but I, I want to say this. Each of you have skills and talents and, and opportunities and abilities that God has given you to serve him. Will you give those things that God has given you over to serve Christ and his purposes? Will you, sitting in this room, stop giving yourself over to sin, allowing to control what Christ has set free? See, each of us struggle in particular ways, and we have things that seem to control us, hindering our growth. So this morning, if you're willing to do whatever it takes to grow, here's, I'm going to give you five simple, bullet-pointed applications that you can take away if you want freedom over sin. And the first one is this. You need to identify personal weaknesses. Identify personal weaknesses. Be real with what you struggle with. Like God already knows what you're dealing with. Don't try to like, when you're even talking to yourself, we can kind of like couch what we struggle with in ways that don't sound so bad. Just be real. Don't compare it to others because when we're compared to Christ, we're all the same. And this is where accountability becomes so crucial. More often than not, when someone has come to me and they're, and they're deep in sin and it has been dominating them, it's because there's little to no accountability in their life. So you need to identify personal weaknesses. Here's the second. You need to recognize what tempts you. Recognize it. Recognize what tempts you. And then the third thing is you stay away from that source of temptation. This might sound overly simple, but I told you it would be. Stay away from sources of temptation. This is battling. That's what it means to battle, and and you need to do it immediately. Don't think about doing it tomorrow or next week or for students at camp. No, stay away from sources of temptation. The fourth one is this, practice self-control. That's a a practice. This sounds so self-reliant, but it's biblical. One of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. It's very biblical for sin not to reign. You must must have self-control. And the last one is this, and this is so, so, so important. Molly said this in in the video. Be intentional in your time with God so you can rely on his strength. You will battle well when you're in close communion with God. It's like an instrument that's tuned. It doesn't sound good if, if you try to tune it after you've played. But instead, if you take care and you're intentional in your time with God and rely on his strength, you can, you can battle well. I can personally tell you in my life, when it's been most out of step, it's typically, it's typically when my time with the Lord has been sparse or for a time non-existent. Be intentional in your time with the Lord, grads, you're about to step into a new situation and it's a perfect opportunity for, for you to, to have a restart. For others of you who, who aren't grads, today can be a new day. You're sitting in here and you're like, Adrian, it's been years since I've graduated, but there's something dominating me. Today can be that new day. Don't buy into this lie that you're fighting a losing battle. Jesus has already won. Jesus has already won, and now you've been given the chance to live in that new victory. Will you? Know that Jesus freed you from sin, and then secondly, don't let it control you. When we do that, when we do that, we're, we're beginning to, to not only fight and battle temptation, we're, we're on a path of, of growth, 
we're on a path of, of newness when we first know Jesus freed us and when we look at sin and we say, because Jesus has set me free from that, I'm not gonna let it control me. And then take those five, those five bullet points and we'll post them this week on social media and those, those five bullet points are ways that you can begin to battle today. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you have shown how much you loved us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus, you died for us. So I, I pray and ask right now that as people in this room who, Lord, as we struggle and as we fight against sin, Lord, I, I pray that you would to help us to battle well. Lord, help us to give us strength to, to fight against sin so it doesn't control us. Lord, give us a, a renewed mind which shows us that you have set us free from the power of what used to control us. Lord, I pray again one more time for the grads who are in here, some starting jobs and some going to school. I pray for your protection and provision over them. And I ask that you would, would guide them, guide their parents, their families. Lord, may we be people who, who rely on you so that we live for you, so that we can show this world just how good you are. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just a couple things before we leave. Uh, we are uh, about to get into the full swing of all things summer here at Grace. Uh, and so the first announcement that I have is that uh, kids camp is not too far away. Uh, if you're not